اللهم صل على سيدنا ونبينا ومولانا محمد وبارك عليه We are in Surah Al-Fatir, Surah number 35, and Ayah number 36. The following the Quran I have is page 733. A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitan Al-Rajeem. ذلكفور after discussing those people who are good and the three categories of good people in this ummah we now see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala juxtaposing that group with another group known as those who disbelieve so those who believe will enter jannah which we discussed and those who do not believe, for them there is the fire of Jahannam. Jahannam is the name of hell. They, there will be no decree for them, meaning death will not come to them so that they die. Nor will any of the punishment be mitigated for them. And this is how we give recompense to those who are ungrateful. <coughs> yeah. So in the beginning of the ayah and the end of the ayah, you have these two words, kafaru and kafur, which show the reason why they are being punished. One is that you disbelieve in the maker, the creator of the universe, the fatir, the one who creates originally, and you are extremely ungrateful for all the gifts and the bounties and the blessings and the ni'mah that he gave and provided so that he may live a decent life. Okay. Those are the two reasons why there is this punishment. So when people, God forbid, Allah save us all, protect us all. When they enter Jahannam, they will want to die, but they will not be given death as an added punishment to whatever it is they will feel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is just, and if he punishes someone, he will punish them out of justice, not because of foul play or any kind of injustice. So this is the way we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is being the father, the creator. So just as he created Jannah and out of, you know, no prototype, likewise Jahannam also is without the prototype and he creates Jahannam. Jahannam exists as we speak. So some people will go there and those who go there will be 
the most despicable and those who are ungrateful for everything that the creator and the maker has given. وَهُمْ يَسْطَرِخُونَ فِيهَا رَبَّنَا خُرِجْنَا نَعْمَلْ صَالِحًا غَيْرَ الَّذِي كُنَّا نَعْمَلْ There will be plenty of dialogues there in Jahannam. People will talk to each other, shout at each other. On occasions, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will open up the veil towards Jannah and they will be seeing those who are in Jannah, what they are doing. So on. So there will be many occasions of dialogue and, as I said, shouting. Here, there is this shouting, this crying. Therein, they will shout and cry, and their crying will be, O oh, our Lord, please take us out. Remove us from this place of punishment so that we may do good deeds. Other than those that we used to do, but as we know, it's too late. That is not the time to lament. That is not the time to repent. That is not the time to look back into one's life and say, I should have done this, and I would still do this if I was given a second chance. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he's already given you that chance. 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 years of your life, you have been given all the opportunities to come to terms with Two realities. One is the existence of a maker, a creator, and the second is living a life that shows that you are grateful for what the creator and maker has given you. Has it is it not that we gave you a lifetime? that we gave you a whole lifetime in which you could have reflected. You could have thought about where your life is going. You could have thought about the universe, its maker, its creator. You could have thought about why you are not in control of your own destiny and your own life, why things don't always go the way you want them to go. Um, this is the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will respond to them. That we gave you such a life in which the one who wanted to take heed would have taken heed. Meaning, in this world and in this lifetime, from the age of, say, 17, 18, maybe 16 onwards, until the age of 60 and 70, before we become senile or whatever, before that time, there is plenty of opportunities where we can sit down and think even for 30 seconds or even for a minute and say, this doesn't make sense. Life is not adding up. Okay, I'm supposed to be doing this, but I'm not. Why can't I do what I want to do? And then you then go forward with your inductive reasoning, your deductive reasoning, your intuition, your imagination, and your petitions and your solicitations and you go forward and you say, this must be because there is someone else who is in control of me and my life. Yeah. So the one who takes heed has enough time in which he can. This will not be an excuse. 
in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I didn't have the time, I was too busy. Well, you make the time. Sure, you have the time. Your time is better spent in thinking or about you and your destiny rather than thinking about what is the ne next gadget in the market, what's the next song, what's the next album, what's the next movie, who's the next uh, celebrity. Right. You have plenty of time to think about all of that. Plenty of time. You count the number of minutes and hours that we spend thinking of those things, and then we must uh, estimate the number of seconds we think about ourselves. You see, there's no ratio. There's absolutely no comparison between the two. So it is the fault of the human, and that is the meaning of the next statement, وَجَاءَكُمُ where the warner has come to you. The warner. Who is the warner? The warner is you. Your mind, your conscious, your subconscious, your intellect, your ability to rationalize, your ability to reason, your ability to contemplate, think, and reflect, and then to understand what the reality is. This word as a nadir does not necessarily mean a nabi or prophet. It is much broader than that. So in every human being's life, there are experiences that will warn and show that this is not the right way. And although this seems to be subjective, but you could very well objectify it and see that it applies to every human being, yeah, regardless of context and regardless of time, space, culture, color, language, history, circumstances, environment, education, what have you. Independent of that, every human being will have a moment, at least, where they will realize something is very wrong here. I am not in control. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, al nadir." A nadir, a warner came to you. And when this warner came to you, what did you do? Did you abide and take heed? Or did you turn away? Did you reject it? Did you uh, brush it? sweep it under the rug, or did you bury it somewhere? So this will be the conversation that Allah and the angels will have with these people who are there in the fire of Jahannam. So now you must taste your neglect. Taste this lack of reflection. Taste this denial. Okay? And taste all your uh, injustices that you were guilty of in the world min nasir. So the, the, the word injustice has come because of this uh, part of the ayah. That for those who are unjust and wrongdoers, there will be no one to help. No one will help them on that day when they are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to take them back into the world. That will not happen because that is not the rule. Those rules do not change. The rule in this world is that you have time, and the rule in the other world is that you don't have time. In this world, you have time to do everything you want to. You can do this, or you can do that. It's up to you. But the rule in the other world is that once you're destined for one place, that's it. Uh, you will not have time to go back and change what it is you used to do. Anyway. So these ayat, as I mentioned, show the diversity of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. 
that he is one, he is unique, and he creates diversity. So he creates diversity on earth in the form of everything that we discussed, and he creates diversity in the akhirah in the form of creating two distinct places, one of bliss and happiness and joy, and the other of pain and punishment. This is a testimony to his diversity also, that he's able to do that. One is to say Allah is forgiving and merciful and all of that good stuff. But that's an incomplete understanding of the divine. The complete understanding of the divine is that he is all-powerful. Inna Allah ala kulli shayin qadeer. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. That he is able to do what he wants to do. If you deprive him of that potency, then you have deprived half of his divinity. Right? Allah will not do this or cannot do this or should not do this. Well, are you playing God now? You're imposing your ideas of God on him? No, it doesn't work that way. So Allah is who he is, and who he is is what he says he is. Meaning, it is what the Quran reveals who Allah is that we believe. We don't make ishtihad in this issue. There's no ishtihad in matters of aqidah. Aqidah, meaning your, your faith and your theism and your, your, most of your theology, is from the nas, the scripture itself. There's no place for the human intellect to interject and to conjecture and to make ishtihad and say, it should be like this and it should be like that. That is not the way of the Sunnis. The Sunnis don't do this. The Sunnis say, whatever there is in the Nas, in the scripture, in Wahi, revelation which came from beyond the mind and the intellect, that is what we say and that is what we believe. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَالُ husna," Allah has all these beautiful names. One of those beautiful names is that He is Adal. He is just. One of those beautiful names is that he is Aziz, he is supreme. One of those beautiful names is that he is Dhuntiqam. He may take revenge. These are part of his beautiful names. If you say that God cannot be and should not be this way, then that is, as I mentioned, an incomplete understanding and evaluation of the divine. The divine has to be absolute. Uh, in his ability to do what he chooses to do at any moment. That's how we see the divine. And if we impose our views on the divine, then you're asking the divine to conform to your mind. Doesn't make too much sense. Then why are you worshipping him? <laughs> why are you worshipping somebody who conforms to you all the time? Right. Anyway, that's just... Uh, an expression of why the surah is al-fatir, the one who creates without any prototype. And when he is able to do that, then he creates diversity. So there's diversity here in this world, and there's diversity in the other world. And that is where we stop, inshallah, with this discussion. Inna Allah alimu samawati wal Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is the knower of the secrets 
of the heavens and the earth, the hidden realities of the heavens and the earth. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is alimul ghaib. He is the knower of what is hidden and what cannot be perceived and what cannot be conceived. All. So now, certain ideas and ideals we may perceive and certain ideas and ideals we may conceive, but Allah knows all that. That which is perceivable, conceivable, and that which is not perceivable and not conceivable, Allah knows everything. This is how you get the word ghaib. So ghaib doesn't mean is that it, it is just absent from your observation. It means it's absent from your real realm of existence and also from your realm of understanding, your intellect. So this is an intellectual discourse where Allah subhanahu wa says, Allah's knowledge encompass, encompasses everything that you know and everything that you don't know, everything that you can know and everything that you can't know. Allah is the know of that. So this is how we see Allah subhanahu wa knowledge. So Al-Fatir, the one who creates without a prototype, is also the one who is Alim Al-Ghayb, the knower of the Ghayb. So he knows you, he knows your psyche, he knows your conscious, he knows your subconscious, he knows your thoughts, he knows your imaginations, he knows your fallacies, he knows your fantasies. And he knows everything else you'll do tomorrow. And he knows where you are going to be destined. So he's Alim Al-Ghayb. So he knows everything that you know and much more than that. Right. This is how you bring this eye down to the personal level. This eye, although it's universal, talks about the cosmos, but you have to bring it down to the personal individual level. How do I individualize this eye? This is how you individualize this eye. That whatever dreams I have, I have had or whatever emotions I have or whatever I have on my conscious, in my subconscious, my psyche, my DNA, beyond the DNA, who knows? Allah knows all of that and much more. He knows the hidden secrets of the heavens and also the earth. Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa knowledge is beyond us. Allah subhanahu knowledge is what? Beyond us, whatever is in the heavens. We don't know what's in the heavens, never mind what's in uh, anything else. We don't know anything uh, about what's on earth either. Oh, there's so many species on the planet that are yet to be discovered. And there are so many species in the sea that have yet to be discovered. There are so many theories and theorems that have to be conceived and perceived. And then so many facts that still have to be uh, undiscovered. This is all part of the human struggle to know and know more. So the human struggle to be curious and to find out more is a proof that God knows. Somebody must know. Yeah. So when Allah reveals, either through the empirical method of whatever it is, experimentation, or reveals through revelation, wahi, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who teaches man that which he does not know. Allah teaches man that which he doesn't know. So how does man do this now? I didn't know this yesterday, but I know this today. So now, 
that was yesterday ghayb for you. It was absent for you. Now you know today. Right. So now you have these gimmicks and gadgets and you have these tools and instruments and you have these apparatus and you have everything that's there in the modern day world in science and technology and you have your ways of uh, satellite and all of this and it comes to you on your, on your phone. Yeah, so you read something tomorrow which you did not know today. So Allah subhanahu wa says, Allah is the one who knows all of this and he is the one who teaches man that which he doesn't know. So when man knows something that he didn't know, it's a proof that Allah knows. It's a proof that there is someone else there who is teaching us whether it's this way or that way. So he teaches because he knows. And he will continue to teach in the grave. He will continue to teach on the Day of Judgment. He will continue to teach in Jannah. There will be an increase of knowledge for everyone who goes into Jannah. All the time, your knowledge will be expanded. Your horizons will be broadened. Okay? And your knowledge will increase all the time. Because that's who Allah is. Allah is al-Ghani and he's also very kareem. He's generous. Uh, so he, when he wants to show his generosity, he teaches man. Right? So now, man in his limited abilities to know something about the world, knows. So now you discover DNA. I'm sure in another few years, maybe a decade, they'll find something else beyond the DNA. I'm sure of that. There's something else there, right? That's just how life is. You keep on until you meet your Lord. It is to your Lord that the final ending is. So your quest for knowledge and uh, science and all that, that's fine, piecemeal. But the, uh, the, 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 in the cosmos, the macro is this ayah. This is the macro. Now there are now worlds beyond the first heaven that the Quran speaks of. We don't know what's in the first heaven. Well, according to the Quran, the stars are within the first heaven. Uh, we have decorated the sama of the dunya, the, the heaven of this world, with lamps. There will be stars. So that's where are they? Then this heaven, what's beyond this heaven? Allah knows. So Allah knows what is beyond the heavens, inside the heavens, what is in earth, on earth, and beyond earth. Also Allah knows all of this macroscopically and microscopically. What he does out of his favor is that he gives you a very, very small portion of that knowledge. And when someone gets a small portion of that knowledge, now he thinks he is God. Because you have all the intelligence, meaning intelligence through the the spying methods at your disposal, that knowledge. Anyway, so now, knowledge is gained for many reasons. The best reason is this, Indeed, he is all-knowing, and he knows everything that is harbored by the people's breasts and their hearts and their minds, their conscious and their subconscious. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows everything there is in the conscious, subconscious of every human being. Why is this linked to the heavens and the earth and knowledge of the heavens and the earth? Because we're part of that. 
human beings are part of the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is a direct connection between us and the heavens and the earth. The Prophet said about Sa'ad ibn Mu'adh, when he says something, the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shakes. Where is the arsh? The arsh is beyond the heavens. How does not that arsh shake when he's doing something here? That's only possible if there's a connection. Right? So that connection is through iman. It's through your faith, your belief. Once you have iman and you believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you have a direct link to the person, the being who is on the arsh. That's the Rahman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how you connect everything that exists to you and to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Everything's interrelated, interconnected, as we all know. If you think about the weather patterns, okay, these hurricanes that come, they come all the way from Africa. All right. So how do they come from Africa to here? If there's no connection. There is a connection. Then the connection takes time to manifest itself. Right. So now the lack of manifestation doesn't mean to say that there's a lack of existence. Anyway, this, this part of the eye, Allah knows what's in the hearts and the bosoms of all human beings means that he is able to, number one, teach human beings something about the heavens and the earth, and number two, his knowledge is beyond the heavens and the earth, and the most important is his knowledge of you. The most important for the reader of the Quran is Allah's knowledge of the reader. What is the connection between Allah and the reader? That he's reading. He's reciting the words of Allah, the divine words, the scripture, that is full of nur and ajr and tawab and reward. And so on. So this ayah connects everything to everything. Once the human being and the reader of the Quran knows that he is representing Allah when he reads the Quran, then the following ayah makes perfect sense. He is the one who has now made you successors on earth to succeed him as an ummah, as a community, that as a community you succeed each other, that one generation succeeds the other, and as an ummah you succeed the previous ummah, the previous communities, and as a nation of human beings, as a species, you are succeeding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are Allah's deputy on earth because Allah knows everything about you, and you have the ability to know what Allah knows if you struggle and if you make an effort. So Allah has placed human beings to be a vicegerent and to be a deputy of his on earth so that they may do the work of knowledge. Right? What is the work of knowledge? That you create and then you facilitate and then you live and you let others live and you help others live and so on. So this is the way of shukr. This is a way of gratitude, and this is a way forth for not just Muslims, but also non-Muslims, that if they see themselves as representations of Allah's knowledge on earth, then that is the reason why Allah chose Adam over the angels. It was because Allah taught Adam all the names of things that will occur on earth, 
of the names of things that he will need in order to exist on earth and so on. And then they were not able to represent those ideas and ideals to Allah. And Adam was. And so Adam was now the Khalifa. Adam was the successor to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's now grand scheme to create human beings and to allow them to procreate and then allow them to re-enter Jannah where they came from. So this is the meaning of uh, Khilafah. This Khilafah is universal. It is not specific to any one individual. So the meaning of this ayah that you succeed each other generation after generation. That is one meaning of the ayah. Or the other meaning of the ayah is that you succeed as a species uh, of uh, human beings on earth so that you represent his will and you represent his knowledge. And the way you do that is for the way you don't do that. That whoever disbelieves, then his disbelief will be against him. The disbelief will be on him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not be responsible for the disbelief, either in the form of ingratitude or in the, in the form of outright denial and rejection of the truth. And the kufr, the rejection of those who disbelieve, will increase nothing in front of Allah, in front of their Lord, except more rejection and more uh, abhorrence from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah will uh, detest their rejection. You reject me, so I reject you. Yes. Very simple. No one likes rejection. Is that true? You're going somewhere and you want to sit with some people and they reject you. How do you feel? How do you feel? You feel very happy, elated? How do you feel? You're on cloud nine. I was rejected. Give me more rejection. How do you feel when people reject Allah? After he's made them, created them, after he gave them everything, and they sit there and they say, atheists say, he doesn't exist. And people who deny God and his abilities, they deny God, and they say what they say. Okay, so now, there is this now, uh, reciprocation from the Lord, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that you reject me, so I must have some divine prerogative to reject you. Somewhere in that equation, right? Well, he doesn't need it. That's not the question. The question is, when you do something, there's always going to be an effect. There's cause and effect. Your rejection will cause the angels to curse you. That's natural. For every force, there's going to be anti-force, or there's going to be some kind of uh, action that's going to come upon you. That's just the, in the cosmos, this happens. Okay, that's called lana. Uh, that's called being cursed by whatever is in the heavens and the earth. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that the more you, re the, 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 when you reject, you will cause more rejection. Right, so your rejection will increase. So it will be reciprocated by the divine order. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is above all of that order which he has created, but this is the way the order of Allah works.
عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ in front of their Lord. In front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the way he has created. So that if someone is going to outrightly slander, condemn, abuse, and then swear at God, blame God for everything, then there's going to be some impact and repercussion. Right? As the Quran says, in the shirk al-zulm al-azim, shirk is a tremendous form of injustice. That you commit shirk and you associate partners with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is a tremendous form of injustice. When you have committed that, you should be responsible. You can't say, I'm responsible, but I should not be punished. You shouldn't say that I should not be given a choice, and then I should also be not punished when I use the choice the wrong way. So all these fallacies come into play. These falsehoods come into play. And the kufr of those who disbelieve, the rejection of those who disbelieve, will increase in nothing except more loss. You become more confused. Yeah. When uh, the cosmos is not in sync with you, and you're not in sync with the cosmos, you are in a state of loss. And the more you reject the ultimate and the macro, the more you will be microscopically now frustrated. The quicker you acquiesce to the macro reality that Allah is in charge, the easier it will become for you, at least through acquiescence and by resigning and then by submitting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the more you reject the idea or you promote the idea that you are in charge, the more you'll be faced with rejection and failure and loss and disappointment. And when that happens, then everyone becomes a despot within themselves. So they're, they're despots and dictators who want to rule and govern other human beings. And they are despots within every human being. And they are people who want to dictate affairs within themselves without realizing that someone else is in charge. This is the meaning of more loss. They, 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 they suffer. Uh, much more. So it's not just psychological, it's more spiritual. Yeah, except the spiritual takes time to manifest. Right? Yeah. But these people, they have a nice time, they party. Who? The non-Muslims seem to have a nice time. Do they? Just evaluate that statement. Do they? Is that why they resort to booze, alcohol, drugs, more women and then more women and more women? At every level. Is that why they're happy? Is that why their homes are broken? Is that why there's no system in which they can say they have a good human system? It is all a state of loss. So the inability to say that Allah and God is in control only increases them in their, 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 their perdition and in their trials and their tribulations. The sooner a human being accepts that Allah is in command and goes forth with his rules, the easier it becomes on him and her, even though they may still be afflicted. Um, having faith in Allah doesn't mean to say you'll be saved from problems. That's a myth. If that was the case, then the Prophet ﷺ would not have said, 
I am the one who has been afflicted the most. Now his faith in Allah was supreme. Beyond us. So faith in Allah doesn't negate problems on earth. That's a Mickey Mouse understanding of Islam. We can't go with that. Meaning that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will test you because he loves you. And the more you're able to pass one test, you'll get to the second round of tests. And then the third round, and the fourth round, and the fifth round. MashaAllah, it's one over another. <laughs> Until you reach your destination in Jannah. That's the point. That you must see yourself as uh, being prepared for your destination in Jannah. And this is why these ayat of Jannah are very necessary for the human cosmos and for human destiny. And the ayat of Jahannam also speak of that also. So here we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bringing out this reality in the lives of all human beings that rejection will lead to further confusion and then depression and then failure. All of that. So this is a panacea for all the ailments that are spiritual in the world. The spiritual manifestation takes time to uh, uncover itself. It's not revealed instantaneously. It's revealed later on in life. When you get older, then you look back and say, I failed. Right? Then you're alone. Then you now see yourself as a loser. What did I do? Why? Because now your children are not with you. You don't have your assets. You don't know what to do with your life. After you retire, you go crazy. Why do people go crazy after they retire? It's supposed to be a time when they're supposed to have fun and enjoy that's for retirement. It doesn't happen. There are more antidepressants after they retire. Why is that? There's something wrong there. There's no iman. There's no life to look forward to after they die. They can't prepare for another life because they say this is the only life. Let's have fun here. MashaAllah, alhamdulillah. <laughs> so anyway, these ayat bring about, because the Quran reveals, it's a revelation. It reveals the inner realities, which is the ghayb. The ayah says, Inna Allah alimu ghayb samawati wal ard. Allah knows the ghayb, the unseen of the heavens and the earth. He also knows the ghayb in you. So this is the inner ghayb, the unseen, that you don't know yet. And when you discover it, you'll be in a state of loss. It'll be too late. So you rather read the Quran now, acquiesce, resign and submit, and then accept, and rather than resign when it's too late for you to resign. Yeah. This is the moral of the, these ayat uh, in this sequence. So we, we see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as the fatir, the one who creates without any, um, any prototype. And we see that he engages with his creation all the time. And I think we'll have to stop here because the next ayah is a very lengthy, long discussion, inshallah. We make dua that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves us and protects us from all the sins and vices and the mistakes that we commit against ourselves and against other people. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala save us from dhulm and injustice. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keep us and preserve us and allow us to do and give us the tawfiq to do what pleases him the most.
Amin ya Rabbil Alamin wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqi Muhammadin wa alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in birahmatika ya rahmatullah